shamble oblation Vainly with gifts would his favor secure Richer by far is the heart's adoration Dearer to God are the prayers of the poor Brightest and best are the sons of the morning Dawn on our darkness and lend us thine aid Star of the east, the horizon adorning Guide where our infant Redeemer is laid. majority of the carols that we seem to do, uh, I'd say the bulk of them are probably English and German. Uh, very, very few Irish carols, and this is one of the Irish ones and one of my favorites, the Christ Child Lullaby.
till dawn. Alleluia. 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 They gave you mirth, they gave you gold, frankincense and gifts untold. They traveled far these gifts to bring and kneeled before their newborn king. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. My love, my pride, my treasure, oh, my wonder new and pleasure, oh, my son, my beauty ever new. Who am I to bear you here? Good morning. Welcome to Kernel Midnight Church. I invite you to stand for our opening song, number 204 in the blue hymnal, Gloria. We'll sing through it two times together, and then we'll do it in a three-part round, starting with the section over here as being one, and then two in the middle, and then three. And we'll sing that through several times. And I'll cue you when to stop. Together through twice. Gloria, Gloria, in excelsis Deo, Gloria, Gloria, Alleluia, Alleluia, Gloria, Gloria, in excelsis Deo, Gloria, 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 Gloria,
How have you seen God working around you over the past week? Wow, that's a question. And most people would initially respond, I haven't. There's been nothing spectacular that I've seen God working in that shows God's power, such as feeding the masses or extinguishing the fires in Australia. But are those miraculous things really what this question is getting at? Larry Whitehead, who is the previous district superintendent of our local Methodist district, and for those of you who know, I came from a Methodist church, so I'm going somewhere with this, started every meeting he had with that question. And it wasn't rhetorical. Larry would not start the business of the meeting until he had heard enough of these God moments that people have had through the week. And if it was a small enough meeting, that meant every person in the room had to give a God moment. So when you walked into one of those rooms, you knew you better have one of those moments ready. And I haven't seen anything, wasn't going to cut it. And although welcome, those big things weren't really what he was looking for. But he was looking for those small mundane things, such as the beauty of a sunrise. And that was the point of this exercise. Pastor Whitehead was doing something ingenious with this little exercise. Walking into the meeting, you were forced to look at the world around you and the little things to discover that God moment that you were going to use. The exercise caused you to stop for a moment in your busy day and appreciate that world that was around you. Pastor Whitehead's goal was to make sure all the pastors in his district and all the church leaders would look at those little things around them and open their eyes to the way that God moves in ordinary daily life. The ways that we tend to miss because we expect God to be working in huge, miraculous ways. God is known to work in these way, the ways that we least expect. Taking Moses, for example, God chose someone who had difficulty speaking to go to Pharaoh and demand, let my people go. God fulfilled the promise of a savior in a child that was born in a manger not to a prestigious, powerful family. Looking at the examples in the Bible, is it any surprise that God may answer our prayers in ways that we least expect them to be answered? And is it any surprise that we may miss those answers to our prayers if we are blinded by our expectations of how our prayers should be answered? In a world of chaos, a world where friends and family members are taken from us too soon. A world that seems to be descending into a violent mess where the person with the loudest voice tends to be the one that makes the decisions, not necessarily the most logical or God-fearing voice. We may feel hopeless 
to the powers around us. Instead of giving up our hope or giving up hope or looking for that one perfect answer, we need to keep our eyes open and appreciate those God moments around us and find hope as we wait for the time when we can see true peace ourselves. Let us pray. Lord God, today as we gather, the world around us is a chaotic place where our own expectations blind us from you. Lord, as we gather for this time together, let us slow down and open our minds to how you work in our lives and in the world around us. Let us wait in peace, hope, joy, and love for your movement within this congregation and within the world around us. And let us be willing to see the little things in our lives that show us that you are with us. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand for a time of singing. We'll start in the blue hymnal number 216, Christ whose glory fills the skies. song turn to the purple book number 27 sing a different song the song that may not be quite as familiar Brenda's going to play through it once and then we'll sing all four verses 
Turn black to the back to the blue hymnal, number two twenty one. Hail the blessed morn, two twenty one.
And now we ask our ushers to come forward for the offering. Let us pray. God of glorious surprises, we come as searchers for a glimpse of your presence. As were the people in the days of Jesus, we are surprised that we find you not in a palace, but in a stable surrounded by a family of poor refugees and worshiped by the lowly shepherds. Our gifts from our wealth seem simultaneously too material and yet outshined by what you've given us. Just the same, use our gifts for the works of justice, mercy, and compassion, as would befit the Savior who sleeps in a manger. It's in his holy name we pray. Amen. Christian fear for sinners here, 
Let us pray. Glorious Lord, today we come to you acknowledging how we have let ourselves be blinded. Let our busyness keep us from reaching you. Let our expectations prevent us from seeing how you move in the ways that we least expect. Let our demands dictate how we expect you to move in our world. As a result, we have failed to see how you move in our lives and have all lost hope at some time. Have mercy on us as we are sorry for all we have done in failing to see how you move in the world around us today. Now, 
hear these words of promise from Paul as he wrote in his letter to the Ephesians. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles and the boundless, the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And now we'll have our scripture as we do not have children's time today. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they all replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Well, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. On a clear summer night, our family car pulled into Headlands International Night Sky Park around dusk. We didn't quite know what to expect, but we had heard that this was a neat experience. And so as dutiful tourists, we wanted to try it. As we parked, we got out of the car. We carried our blankets and our flashlights prepared for the long walk. Before getting onto the trail, a guide stopped us and proceeded to put red tape over all of our lights, preventing even the tiniest bit of white light from escaping into the darkness. So we began our walk on a paved path with tall trees surrounding us. And although it was still dusk, the trees made it feel quite dark. 
As our eyes began to adjust to the darkness, it seemed like our other senses became more intense. We could hear other people chatting in low tones as they walked into the park, murmuring and laughing once in a while. And it seemed there was almost a hushed reverence as we all made the trek. As I walked, I could sense the bumps in the road under my feet and feel how the terrain was shifting a bit. It was as if I was feeling things more clearly since it was harder to see. I began to rely on watching others in front of me to help me see where to go as darkness continued to fall. Finally, after about a 20-minute walk, we arrived in the park itself. This night sky park is one of 60 in the United States, and these particular night sky parks are set apart for their land that actively protects the natural darkness from light pollution. So we spread our blankets out on the ground near the water of Lake Michigan. And now that we had come out of the woods, there was actually still some remaining light in the sky before total darkness came. I could hear the water gently lapping up onto the shore. I could still hear some low conversations of others sitting around. And so we settled in and began to wait. And there it was, the first star. It was kind of faint, but we all made sure that we could see it. You could hear people pointing it out. And then another, and another, and another. As darkness continued to fall, the stars began to just dot the sky with pulsing, persistent light. We continued to gaze up at the stars, and I remember thinking that there would sort of be an end to this experience. You know, you walk into the park, you see some stars, and then it's done. But that's not how it was. As we lay on the ground, gazing up into the vast universe, the sky just kept opening up with more and more layers of light. It just kept going. Thousands and thousands and thousands of stars just kept appearing. We could see some planets, some constellations. We found the North Star. We could even see the Milky Way galaxy, all without a telescope. It just went on for infinity. What I remember most about that experience was not what was happening around me on the outside. What I remember most about it was how I felt on the inside. I remember feeling slightly unsettled and quite vulnerable as we were walking in the dark with no light to guide me other than the fading light in the sky. And I remember how I felt something shift inside me when I gazed up into the vastness of the universe. As I watched these countless stars continue to appear, it was like I became aware of my role in the big picture. All my problems, all my concerns, all my achievements, even my life experience itself just seemed completely insignificant in this grand scheme of things. And yet, I still felt deeply loved and deeply seen. I had perspective. 
these vast cosmos were telling me things in a language that I understood and knew to be true on a very deep and primal level. It needed no words. And so we arrive at our story today, a story of magi who were also gazing at the night sky. We are told in Matthew that these three magi were from the east. Biblical scholars now say that these magi were most likely Persian priests that belonged to a religion of Zoroastrianism, which paid particular attention to the stars. And it was their keen attention to the cosmos that led these magi to their discovery of a new and unfamiliar rising star. And once they discovered it, they knew they had to follow to wherever it led them to go. Contrary to what you might have imagined in your mind, these magi were not kings. They were not educated teachers of the law, nor were they Jews. They were outsiders. They were foreigners and actually looked down on by the Jews. What do we know about these mysterious magi? Well, we know they were seekers, risk takers for sure, and we know that they did as they were instructed by God, first through the stars and then later on in a dream. We know they were listeners and that they were humble they wanted no honor for themselves. They asked for directions when they needed help. Did you catch that? And they ended up kneeling before a woman and a young child with joy and praise. Most of all, these magi were contemplative. They took time to gaze at the stars every evening, studying and just reflecting. The word epiphany comes from the Greek word, epiphania, which literally translates as manifestation or striking appearance. Wikipedia defines epiphany as an experience of sudden and striking realization in which a problem or a situation can be understood from a new and deeper perspective. Epiphania to show, to shine, to bring to light. Just like Wikipedia's definition of epiphany, of something being sudden, I've always, too, thought that epiphany was like this aha moment where it happens all at once, the light bulb above my head. However, let's go back to the story of the Magi. We don't know for sure, but scholars think that this journey to get to Jesus actually took almost two years. Wait a minute. Two years? You may have noticed that at many Christmas programs and even in our nativity scenes, we group shepherds and wise men all together around the manger as if the birth events all happened at the same time. However, the shepherds came from a nearby field and the wise men, the Magi, came from very far away. Scholars say the Magi's visit probably took place long after the shepherds had left and gone home, and Mary and Joseph remained around Bethlehem for Jesus to be circumcised, to be presented at the temple, 
and then they traveled to Nazareth. We don't hear much about this long journey of the Magi to get to Jesus. Those details are left out. We don't hear about their fatigue, their frustration, their doubts, their temptations to leave the path, the distractions, the dangers. All we know is that these magi follow the star. They found just enough light for each step on their path to get to Jesus. So how was it that these foreigners knew about Jesus before the Jews did? How did they know where to go or that Jesus was going to be king of the Jews? How did they have a sense that they needed to follow this star to do something about it, to pay homage? They didn't have access to Jewish scriptures. They weren't raised in the temple. I wonder if this whole journey began with simply gazing at the stars by simply paying attention, by waiting, by getting quiet and listening. We Mennonites are so good at working for justice, which is a very good thing. I love it. But I wonder if sometimes we are so focused on doing and acting and serving that we have forgotten how to just be. We've forgotten it's not all up to us. We've forgotten that God is larger and bigger and will act in spite of us. We can learn something from the Magi who paused. They waited first, and then they knew what to do and where to go. So on this Epiphany Sunday, at the start of this new year, we have an opportunity. Maybe some of you have made a resolution or two for the new year. After reflecting on this story of the Magi, I'd like to humbly suggest this resolution for 2020. Are you ready? Do nothing. Do nothing. By that, I mean, instead of getting up and immediately doing, texting, emailing, acting, serving, reading, planning, working, scrolling, Instead, just try taking 10 minutes every day to sit and just be with God. How would your day unfold differently if you carved out space that was just for you and God to hang out together? How would you see yourself and others in new ways? What would our congregation look like if we all took more time to just be in God's presence before moving into action? 
When you sit and do nothing, when you are simply aware of being in God's loving presence, something mysterious and marvelous is slowly happening. Your spirit is tuning in to God's spirit. You're being transformed. You start becoming aware that God is already acting. God is already loving. God is already giving birth in the life of you and in the world around you. God's light is already shining in you. God's light is already shining in others. God's light is already shining in the world. Epiphany. God's presence made manifest in you. Light and understanding given to you. Arise, shine, your light has come. Throughout this Advent series, we have asked the question, what are you waiting for? Over the past few weeks, we have considered what it means to wait in hope, to wait for peace, to wait with joy, to wait in love. And we've also acknowledged that there's a deep longing that happens when you wait for God's kingdom to come. With this story of the Magi, we hear about them coming to see the Christ child. What we don't hear about is all the years of watching and listening and waiting that happened before they ever set out. What we don't hear about is this long journey to get to the star. This story is full of mystery. Just like the Magi, we don't get a map ahead of time when we start our journeys, do we? We don't know the twists and turns that our lives will take. Mystery. All we get is an invitation to trust and to keep paying attention to the light in order to know which way to go. So what can happen after all this waiting and listening, after we open ourselves to risk and to trust, waiting to receive this new understanding? I think the final sentence in Matthew's story gives us a clue. Verse 12. It says, the Magi returned home by another route. The Greek word for route here is hodos. And in the New Testament, hodos is also used as a metaphor for human behavior. So in other words, after the Magi encountered Christ, their behavior changed. They returned home by another route. They returned home behaving differently. They went back another way. They returned home to the familiar, but they themselves had been changed. They saw everything with a new perspective. Hodos. 
So when we take the time to become contemplative, we can't help but become changed. We experience an epiphany. We can see ourselves and others and our surroundings, our world, with a new perspective. Epiphanies are mysterious, but they are not magical. Epiphanies are mysterious, but they are not magical. Contemplation simply takes time and perseverance. It takes attention and intention, returning home to God and to yourself over and over and over on your journey. One step at a time. One step at a time. We maybe find ourselves becoming more patient. One step at a time. We say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you, or I love you. One step at a time. We stop and truly listen to someone when we say, how are you doing? One step at a time. We start seeing those that we disagree with as people that we can learn something from. One step at a time. We plant a garden. We plant a tree. Or we ride our bike to meet a friend. One step at a time. We choose to be gentle with ourselves. One step at a time, we will step backwards. But then we see that even that is part of our path toward transformation. No matter what, the light is always there. We just have to pay attention. So on this Epiphany Sunday, on this beginning of a new year, I invite us to take time to do nothing each day. Maybe you want to learn to gaze at the stars or watch a sunrise. Learn to sit with Jesus. Learn to be quiet. to wait, to be still, and then you will have enough light for the next step on your journey. And if you pay attention, you will notice God's light already inside you and all around you.
God whose light is already shining meets us at this table. We've heard children's stories this season about Bethlehem. We've heard of that wall. We've heard stories of children living in Ada refugee camp, Bethlehem. In this season, we far away from this place think of Bethlehem, this place where human conflict is alive, yet a place where we return every Christmas, the place where we hear and remember Jesus' birth. I don't remember much from studying Hebrew all those years ago, but I do remember Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the meaning of the word. Lechem, bread, Bethel, house, Bethlehem, house of bread. There is something there that will satisfy our hunger. No matter how long we have wandered, here our hearts arise. Our light has come. And so we come to this table. God has prepared for us a house of bread. Whatever we are hungry for, God meets us at the house of bread. We celebrate something we can't quite understand, that God has come to us, comes to be with us now and always. It is with this expectation that we come to the table to taste and see that God is here. Would you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, as we come to this table, we ask that you come into this bread and this cup, transform these ordinary objects and change our hearts so that we may hold your joy. In this new year, pour your grace upon us so that we overflow with your love. Help us to remember how a newborn baby might grow into a little child that would one day turn to his hope-filled friends in an upper room, take the bread from their table, give thanks, break it, give it to them, and say, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise with the cup after supper, drink this, all of you, this cup of the new covenant, reminding you of my blood shed for you and for many. For whenever you drink the cup or eat the bread, remember me, my birth, my ministry, my death, my resurrection, my coming again, and remember I am with you always. Amen. In a moment, I'll ask the servers to come forward and the musicians will serve one another. And then as the music starts, Murray will lead us. We'll sing our faith as we come forward. You can stand. We'll begin at the back with the back row. And I invite you to come forward by the two center aisles, return by the side aisles. After we've served those who have come forward, uh, we're glad to serve you at your seat. If you prefer that, simply raise your hand. All who have been baptized or publicly acknowledged faith in Christ may come to receive the bread and cup, but we invite everyone to come for a blessing. 
Someone will be standing at the middle to serve children, grape and a cracker, and to offer a blessing to anyone who comes. There is room for everyone, so come to Bethlehem, house of bread. God provides for us. Would the musicians and servers please come? to the green sing the journey number 54 longing for light
green number 95. I want to walk as a child of the light. Ninety-seven. The Lord is my light.
And thank you for your ongoing prayers for me and for my uh, family, uh, especially for my dad as we adjust to life without mom around these days. Appreciated the many expressions of support that you have given to us in these past days. Any introductions you'd like to make? Raise your hand high if you have something you'd like to introduce or if you'd like to introduce yourself, we welcome you to our gathering worship time today. If not, uh, we'll move into announcements. We were going to show a Colossian Way video, but I think given the time, we will show that next Sunday. Just to say, as I was listening to Jen's um, message this morning and thought about people who are seeking and who are looking for um, Jesus and trying to find their way to be disciples and looking for new insight and perspective and opportunities to listen and to grow and to um, in their faith and in their following of Jesus, I thought about this Colossian Way class that um, the church board has sent three persons to be trained uh, to lead this 10-week uh, journey, call it, it won't take you two years, just 10 weeks, uh, this journey um, to explore uh, new perspectives and understandings and grow in faith as it relates to human sexuality. And we're looking for a diverse group of people who would participate in that class, and that would start on January 26th. So perhaps God is calling you to consider that um, possibility, uh, that option. Uh, but now would be a good time to talk to Barbara Devereaux or Nancy Myers or Kathy Streeter or Andrew Tucker or myself if you have any interest in that and questions. And we're looking again for a diverse group of ages and perspectives and people to be a part of that class. Um, there are lots of um, information and uh, items in the uh, uh, blue sheet uh, announcement sheet just to highlight a couple uh, the annual directory we're looking to get that updated so please look for your names and sheets in the foyer to um, uh, mark those uh, also a um, reminder that um, uh, that area groups are meeting today and next Sunday um, after worship and they'll actually be after the the ministry teams um, uh, sharing in the in the fellowship hall if you aren't sure to which group you belong, you can look on the map back there or the lists and find your group and or go to the welcome counter and they'll help you find um, your area group uh, assignment. Uh, also, a reminder that uh, uh, this Wednesday, actually it's Tuesday. Is it Wednesday or Tuesday? It's Wednesday in Goshen, 7 a.m. meat canning. Uh, Kern Road is going to be cutting up turkey and this is our congregation's assigned time. 7 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. And if you have questions about that, you can check with Kirby. He's willing to arrange rides and so forth if you uh, need one over there. Uh, also, the poinsettias are available for purchase this week. Um, they see the prices in there, and there's a basket in the back table for those. Um, and I think the other one is there's a correction on the announcement date for the LGBTQ meeting. It should be January 26th rather than February 26th. And congregational meeting will happen on January 19th, the second hour. We do want to highlight the um, ministry team fair and Jewel Gingrich Longenecker, who is chair of the Gift Discernment Committee, is going to introduce us to that. That's something we haven't had for a number of years now, but it, uh, she'll give you more information about it. First, I just want to invite the other members of the Gifts Discernment team to stand. As I say your name, Daniil Martins, Craig Oswald, Bob Schreiner, Dave Suter, Jana Hunter-Bowman, 
and Kim Kosher, who is um, at Camp Friedensbald with the youth. So look around. These are your gifts discernment team members. Thank you all. Um, as you've heard me say in the past, the purpose of the Kern Road Gifts Discernment Team is to help every member and attender discover their God-given gifts and find ways to connect those gifts with the ministries of Kern Road. Sometimes people tell us as Gifts Discernment Team members that they don't know, they're not sure what all of the Kern Road ministries are or what each of them do or how they can get involved if they have interest. And we as a team really want all of you to become very familiar with all of these different ministries so that you know who the people are that you can talk to if you want to get involved. And so today, right after the service, um, during the coffee time, when you enter the fellowship hall, you'll see several tables around the back edges. Um, each ministry team has been designated a table, and there will be people there to talk with you, and there will be snacks. So um, it'll be worth your time. The five different ministry teams are community life, outreach, administration, formation, and worship. So whether you think you might want to get involved in one of these in some way, or if you just simply want to stop in and say thank you, thank you for what you're already doing, thank you, and keep pressing on um, to these different folks, we'd all appreciate it if you'd take time to come by and check in and learn what the different groups are up to. And then as Dave said, we'll meet in area groups today. Next Sunday, we'll do something similar during the coffee time and then during the area groups, we'll actually have a focus on gifts discernment. So as we kick off this new year, I hope that you'll take the opportunity to consider how you might discover more of your own God-given gifts or how you might help others to discover their God-given gifts. Children are dismissed to Gap or Sunday School, I'm not sure what. Andrea, maybe Sunday School. And let's take uh, 15, let's, let's meet in area groups at 11.15, so let's allow these 15 minutes to be in the fellowship hall and be at the ministry team fair. For our benediction today, I invite you, instead of standing, to remain seated and close your eyes. I'll read a blessing written by Jan Richardson for those who have far to travel, a blessing for Epiphany. If you could see the journey whole, you might never undertake it, might never dare the first step that propels you from the place you have known toward the place you know not. Call it one of the mercies of the road, that we see it only by stages as it opens before us, as it comes into our keeping, step by single step. There is nothing for it but to go, and by our going, take the vows the pilgrim takes to be faithful to the next step, to rely on more than the map, to heed the signposts of intuition and dream, to follow the star that only you will recognize, 
to keep an open eye for the wonders that attend the path, to press on beyond distractions, beyond fatigue, beyond what would tempt you from the way. There are vows that only you will know, the secret promises for your particular path, and the new ones you will need to make when the road is revealed by turns you could not have foreseen. Keep them, break them, make them again. Each promise becomes part of the path. Each choice creates the road that will take you to the place where at last you will kneel to offer the gift most needed, the gift that only you can give before turning to go home by another way. Arise, shine, your light has come. Let us stand and sing our closing sending song, number 32 out of the purple, O Beautiful Star of Bethlehem.